0: In this episode of the Constructing Differences podcast, I'm interviewing Leah Margulis. Leah is a third year at the Syracuse School of Architecture and the current president of the Syracuse chapter of the National Organization of Minority Architects. So hi, Leah. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate your time and I'm so excited to speak with you. To get us started, could you tell me a little bit about yourself and share anything you'd like?
1: Sure. Sure. So my name is Leah Margolis. Um, I am um, an architecture major as well. I am a current third year and I am also the current president of the national organization of minority architecture students, Syracuse chapter. So NOMAS, we are a branch off of the national chapter, which is focused on professionals versus the student chapter that is for students. Um, so that's really been incredible for me. I've been in the organization a long time, but that's sort of definitely helped me expand my worldview on how, um, issues of diversity and otherwise within architecture, um, pervade and how architecture is hindrance to that sometimes. And I'm also taking a race and gender space course, um, ARC 500, um, which is an architecture course talking about um, the intersectionalities of all of the same things that you're researching. So I'm really excited to have this conversation. That's great. Could you tell me a little bit about this course?
0: Like what um, projects are you doing in it and, you know, what specifically are you interested in?
1: Sure, so um, it's mostly a discussion-based course. We read a lot of readings from different theorists, designers, researchers in the similar race and gender space design field. And then we have great discussions in class about how it can be applied in different ways. And we also also got to choose a book on the same topic to read and give a review of. So we each have different books and um, mine is called Defined by Design, The Surprising Power of Hidden Gender, Age, and Body Bias in Everyday Products and Places by Catherine H. Anthony. So um, it's been a really great book. She points out all of the hidden biases in a lot of everyday products, as well as the safety aspects of them and how these can actually impact beyond inconveniences and the general societal, mental, emotional impacts of the way people design. So That's been really um, incredible, Um, and we've all got to um, peer review each other's book reviews, so in that way we get to know about a whole bunch of different books on similar topics.
0: That sounds great. I'm really intrigued in that class. I I feel like that's a new one for the semester and also at the School of Architecture. Have you been able to draw any connections from your reading to your experiences or, you know, the experiences of being a designer?
1: I think that the main way that I see it connecting is just actually with NOMOS directly, because we had a very successful Black History Month event program that we laid out for February, where we had some panelists, we had some more educational events as well, and some social events, Um, and namely one of them was Black History Month Jeopardy. So Black Jeopardy, it's sort of based off the uh, NSL skit, but it's a bit more serious in terms of teaching different facts. And we gathered a whole bunch of research before the event took place. Um, We had a research team and found a lot of different facts about how even the words that we use in architecture, for example, um, have bias or racist undertones in them. So I think that the course, as well as that, has sort of opened my eyes to how white supremacy in all honesty permeates through architecture in the design space, or even Eurocentricism, and I've become more and more aware of that in my time as an architecture student, I think, as well, but I think that that's the main intersectionality, as well as just realizing as I'm getting older in the program for architecture, and we have to incorporate more and more design codes, regulations, realizing how restricting those are for different types of people.
0: Yeah. So going into your education as an architect, so you've been in architecture school for three years and you're taking this incredible sounding class. Can you identify gaps in your education or specific parts in your education that have been particularly successful and helpful to you in finding your place as an architect? Sure.
1: I definitely think that the architecture school in general has a good diversity of students, although it could definitely use a lot of improvement. Um, Generally, I've met and learned a lot from my peers who are often from other countries or different ethnicities or races from myself, which has been really incredible. As they say, in architecture school, you learn equally as much, if not more, from your peers than from your professors. So I think that's definitely helped a lot. I think that another great thing about the program is that there's so much research and so much that they really encourage you to think beyond what you do learn in class and to really research what you want to. I think the gaps would be in the types of architecture that we are taught our standard, as well as the precedents and projects, and even the locations that we are asked to create projects for. Um, First few sites I received were either just in Syracuse, which of course is obviously very limiting, um, but then even just still in the US or within very, upscale parts of the U.S., not really taking into account either other places that could use some great architecture or places um, where we just completely disregard the people who are living there whose houses were basically tossing out of the way to implement some arbitrary project. So I think that more awareness of the communities that we are intruding into when creating design and architecture is something that we're lacking definitely in the program, as well as just general um, diversity in the types of education that we get. We got a very little education about architecture from Asian countries, from African countries, from Middle Eastern countries. So there's definitely a lot to be gained in terms of the education.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And going further with Education. What are your thoughts on studio culture and the modes of working that you've gone through in these three years?
1: So, I think that studio culture, as much as it definitely isn't just a Syracuse architecture problem or even just school architecture problem, I think it's a problem within the entire field. The field is very elitist in principle, which permeates down to its students, where everyone feels the need to push themselves to an incredible amount which then often leads to burnout or self-doubt or perfectionism trying to get things right. Well, I definitely think that studio culture can be fixed by further emphasizing mental health and other people's well-being. I think that it's also very much a larger issue about the culture that is created in the way that we teach architecture and the way that we are spoken to as students. Our opinions only matter if we have a ton of evidence to back it up, or we are just as eloquent in terms of how we communicate our ideas as a professor. Mm -hmm. So that's a very difficult standard to live up to, as well as the lack of direct instruction, shall I say, with certain types of technical and modeling programs, as well as resources, They oftentimes expect us to figure it out on our own, which of course, you know, will happen sometimes. But I think that part of the stress of studio culture comes from too much that's not directly taught, too much openness and people not knowing what they should slash shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and on the other side of openness also exists the desire for sameness in a, a lot of cases where we're expected to produce the same amount and take notes in a specific manner, and I guess produce drawings that are similar to those that have been made in the past. It's a lot of imitation rather than innovation. And I think that's definitely restrictive of the way that we learn. You mentioned uh, mental health and well being. And I'm wondering what strategies that you've implemented with your own work that have worked for you, and what hasn't worked, and what you think should be um,
1: emphasized more in
0: terms of mental health and well being.
1: So I think it kind of goes back to of course studio culture and professors and admin you know because they are in charge of our education taking a very strong stance as to looking after their students. Mm-hmm. So I think that what I have done and I would like to see implemented as well is checking in with myself and seeing where I'm at in terms of how far I'm pushing myself what is realistic for myself and You know, of course, some of that, knowing how far you can push yourself or knowing what your limit is, knowing how comfortable you are with something that takes time to learn because I definitely didn't know what that was first coming into architecture. But I think that checking in with people and really emphasizing a care about people's well-being needs to be further emphasized through professors Mm -hmm. and that level, because the current state is that students feel like we are only valued for our work, not really as people. Mm -hmm. That feeling um, permeates through our work and that if only our work matters, then that's all we should focus on. We shouldn't focus on how we're doing physically or mentally or emotionally and leads to burnout. So um, I think that what I'm doing is just taking breaks when I need to. And one of the best quotes I heard um, from my mom, actually, but I think it applies a lot, is be kind to yourself. You know, remember that, you know, everything's going to be OK. You're a student. It's hard to say this without sounding lazy or something, but. Really, I guess prioritizing what you need to do and realizing, and not putting so much weight on each drawing you produce, on each thing that you produce. Mm -hmm. Well, it is important to work hard. Feeling like each piece of what you do is either the end of the world or the best thing that could ever happen to you is so much pressure that is naturally put on us that I think isn't necessary.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, even in architecture, there's so much stigma around being "quote unquote" lazy. You know, it's Laziness is, I think should be accepted. And it's like, are you lazy or do you just need rest? I think is the question. There is also that need to make mental health and wellness um, not a singular issue, but something that's dealt with at a higher level where there is more power. So kind of pivoting and going back to your role in NOMAS, I know that NOMAS is a relatively new organization. And I think that you were kind of there very early on What was it like getting it started back up and kind of implementing it and making it such an important part of the school that it
1: is now? Sure, sure. I cannot take credit as one of the first parts of the team, mostly because I wasn't there at that time. I came in, you know, as a freshman fall 2018, and I believe it got started the semester before but I tried my best to be very involved from the beginning, but regardless, you know, it started just a few years ago. We're still figuring out structural implementations in terms of how it's run, its general organization, how we select new e-board members, how we recruit each year for people to be interested in NOMOS. It's been a really great experience, honestly, um, seeing people feel comfortable in the school and they have a space where They can talk to other minorities, be it people of color, people of other ethnicities, people who are part of the LGBTQIA community. It's been really, I think, rewarding for everyone who's part of it. But I think that what was difficult is that everyone who was joining NOMAS in terms of the e-board or being part of the planning of any events or anything like that, everyone had a lot of ideas. And things that they wanted to implement or bring to the table because Nomos was gone for so long. It had to be revitalized after a few years. There was a lack of organization in terms of how we execute everything and how we get 10, 15 people to work together to really make these things happen, as well as even small things, not really small, but I guess in the grand scheme of things, getting a budget for different things where we get budgets from really learning your role as whatever role you have in nomos so just general organization i think was crucial but was also difficult um, to implement
0: yeah that's great what was your favorite initiative or project that you worked on in nomos
1: oh that's a that's a tough question um it was (laughs) it was quite stressful just because we were back so school started as you know a little bit later this year. And we just got a new e-board coming in for the most part. Um, so we had to get everyone started on black history month stuff over the break to really hit the ground running. And that was a lot of work and a lot to ask of new people. So it was a bit stressful, but I'd say that the black history months really felt like we were making something amazing and everyone was coming together, getting all of the speakers that we did from our faculty advisor to cook to, um, Dr. Biko Mandela-Grey from the religion studies department. And he spoke about architecture from a completely different sphere um, as someone who's a non-architect to the all black women panel that we had at the end. I mean, honestly, just hearing everyone speak was probably the most rewarding thing about those events.
0: That's great. And as a concluding question, what are you looking forward to in the future of your field and also just in general?
1: I'm looking forward to getting more representation for all kinds of people um, in the field, which I think is getting better, but we still have a long ways to go. Mm -hmm. But I'm really looking forward to, um, you know, being able to look back perhaps at Syracuse after, you know, I'm an architect several years later and coming back and visiting and seeing um, huge diversity of kids there. Um, I can count on my hand the number of Black students that we have in my year. And I would love to see that be, you know, uh, a quarter, a half, a third, something like that, you know, in the future, for example. I would love to see the field just be more open and welcoming to new ideas, new people, and just, um, I don't know, I guess, come into the 21st century, honestly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your thoughts and your answers and everything. I'm so excited to see where NOMAS is going to go. They're doing such incredible things and you all are doing incredible things. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to an episode of the Constructing Differences podcast. To find out more about this project, visit representationsofdifference.com or at representationsofdifference on Instagram. Special thanks to Jan Deirdrich for helping me through the IRB approval process, Dr. Owen for provoking my thoughts on solidarity, and Professor Lori Brown for being my mentor on this project and so many others. Finally, thank you to all the participants who agreed to speak with me on Zoom throughout the month of April. Your time, words, and thoughts were greatly appreciated.